This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Oh, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Shot flew up! Welcome to This Week in Tennis. Welcome to This Week in Tennis, the most controversial tennis show anywhere. That was Kansas. Let's play the game tonight on the March the 9th, 2013 edition of This Week in Tennis. My name is Phil Nansons, and I'm the host each and every week, bringing you news, views, and opinions from around the great sport of tennis, whether they're professional tennis or the teeny-weeny ones. We want to bring you the news, and of course, it gets controversial at times. 
And tonight we have a great guest, our normal guest, a uh, guy who's not here almost every week. He's from CraigDoylePhotography.com, which site is currently down due to a hacker of all things. And on the Skype line is Craig Doyle. Craig, what's up, dude? How are you? I'm excellent, Phil. Uh, just recovering from a few technical problems but with both the website and apparently my system. But hopefully everything's back together now and I'll be back up to my full online presence very shortly. And that'll be a good thing. A good thing. You know, it's nice to have a presence. It's nice to have a brand name and it's nicer when you've come up with it yourself and you've built it yourself and you've built the following based on what you do every week that you take time out of it without getting paid. It's not a job where someone stands over me. Of course, you know, we do make some money at this. We're getting better. and uh, But still in all, when you have that, it, it takes a lot of work to do that, doesn't it? It certainly does. When you've come from, you know, the one man and his computer sort of approach and you've come up with your idea and you've worked at it to establish yourself and to get a sort of following that reads what you're writing or listens to what you're saying or, you know, whatever. It's uh, something to be real proud of and it's something that you want to protect. You want to protect the, the names you've come up with and the content that you're writing. You don't want to see someone else lifting that, using it, and, you know, perhaps getting a boost to their own work from it. And I believe this ties into something that we discussed earlier in the week that you brought to my attention regarding one of the major tennis sites on the internet. Yeah, how about that? You know, I, I thought I was in shock when I saw it. And that's why I asked you to look and see if I was jumping the gun before I jumped the gun. You know, because <laughs> I was hot when I saw Tennis.com and their podcast using the title This Week in Tennis for two straight weeks. You know, the, the last week that they've done it, they didn't, they've changed the name to All In and Indian Wells or some nonsense, whatever. They can do whatever they like. But uh, they didn't build a brand name this week in tennis. I did. That's the name associated with this radio program. This isn't just a podcast. This is actually aired on a couple different internet radio stations, meaning things that I don't have anything to do with, and they don't pay me. They just want my show, you know. And because I have built this following with the help of you and others who've come on this show, and when I saw that, I was like, "What in the world? Who in the?" F I mean, I was pissed. And, and I'm thinking, wait a second, this is Tennis.com. Why would they need to do this? Even if it's unintentional, these guys are supposed to be professional journalists. And that's the least or the most unprofessional thing that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I've got to admit, it's very surprising when you see that from a major website that's backed by you know, a, a big sports brand name uh, globally, I was going to say, you know, in the United States, but it's a, it's a global brand, and for them to lift the name of uh, a show from someone who's put a lot of effort, a lot of years into to building that brand name up and getting it recognized, it's uh, negligence uh, of the highest order, you know, uh, especially given that this show regularly lands up higher than their show in the the rankings. Exactly, you know, and they can't say that this show's not here. <laughs> they know because they have to look up to see it. <laughs> That's just the way it is. But the thing is, is that they have their own studio. 
they have they don't have to do anything they don't have to need to know anything about radio or post-production or anything all they have to do they don't even need to know how to turn on their microphone and yet they can't seem to be creative enough to label their show or whatever something different than what others have done and it doesn't make sense to me you know these guys don't know anything about building a brand because quite frankly they've only worked for others who've already built brands you know those brands that they work for specifically tennis magazine that's a a brand that's there long before they ever thought about hitting delete on their keyboard or sitting back and munching fritos while they pretend to analyze tennis matches you know <laughs> sitting back like armchair quarterbacks who probably have never played tennis a day in their freaking lives but still at all it really ticked me off when i saw it because i'm thinking wait a second now i put in all this work and these uncreative desk jockeys can't even freaking google to see and they know for sure where this is if they say they don't then they're lying and I've written to the company and I say, hey, look, I wasn't and I was nice about it. I said, look, you know, you've had 233 episodes, but isn't it ironic that the two episodes in February occurred where you've named your podcast after the same name as mine occurred only after we started talking about the United States Tennis Association? Hmm. Now, I don't believe in conspiracies that much, but quite frankly, the things that I've heard and read and heard from legitimate teaching professionals make me wonder but they can go do whatever they like because here's the thing they're always going to in this podcast bit at least they're always going to be looking up at my back because I'm way ahead of them and do you know why because we tell it like it is we don't sit back and have to pl- to please the boss we don't have to sit back and pretend to go well I think this is a really good player And we don't have to be politically correct because we don't owe anybody anything. You know, we stand or fall on our own merits. It's a difficult, interesting concept that these desk jockeys can't figure out how to do. And then, you know, I had somebody else, I asked someone else, Craig, to check it out too. And they said to me, if these guys are in radio and they're making a living from it, you're never going to have to worry about it, Phil, because, you know, you're on a laptop You never record from the same place twice. You're always in a public place when you do it. And your show sounds so much better than theirs. And your guests are so much brighter than theirs. And it is what it is. And that made me feel a lot better. I imagine it should. You know, it's protecting your identity, your ideas, your property, you know, and... uh... Obviously, there's, you've built up this following that appreciates the effort you go to get the quality sound, the quality guests, and the quality discussion that you have every single week on the show. And we do it via Skype. You ever try to edit Skype? Holy cow. It takes work. You had, and I didn't even know how to use editing software two years ago. I used to just record on, some, on this Windows thing that everyone has. And just published the show. It was embarrassing. Now it's completely different. But I've learned and I, I'm grateful for that. And you know what else I'm grateful for, Craig? I don't, but I'm sure you're going to tell us. <laughs> that we're able to, uh, because we've gotten to a, a pretty good place on this show, we're able to each week 
give away some type of book, sports book, whatever. And today we're going to give away five electronic edition copies of the book Rafa, written by Rafael Nadal and co-written by John Carlin. And all you have to do in the first five people to answer this correct question correctly wins the book. It's that simple. And the question is, who did Rafael, Rafael Nadal defeat to win his first French Open title? And all you have to do is come to philnasons.com. That's P-H-I-L-N-A-E-S-S-E-N-S.com. You can either leave me a voicemail or hit the contact button. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Flash Tennis number 31 and private message me. And we'll get that book to you as soon as you get as soon as you get the answer correct. That's pretty cool, huh, Craig? It's absolutely fantastic. It's another in- incentive to join us every week. You know, listen in, see if there's a competition, get involved in the show, and you know, good luck to everyone who chooses to have a good answer in the question. Yeah, I agree with you. Good luck, folks. Have a good time. And I can't wait to hear your responses to this question. Anyhow, something that you pointed out to me um, today. Today is actually International Women's Day. Craig and I are recording this program on Friday afternoon, our time. And it's International Women's Day. So happy International Women's Appreciation Day to all you ladies out there. We love the ladies, don't we, Craig? We certainly do. We certainly do. There's no uh, backtracking in my uh on my trail, <laughs> needless to say, there's an article out there on the BBC site, and it's basically the caption read Great Britain women tell BBC survey they lack support. Now, no tennis player that actually spoke up about this that I saw in the article, but you know, it, it kind of brings about a bigger picture, and it is this. How much support do women's tennis players and women's sports receive in general as compared to their male counterparts? The other question being is this. They say, uh, should women receive equal pay because they play the same sport? And what we're going to do today, instead of giving you a bunch of fluff and telling you who we think is going to win a tennis tournament in Indian Wells... This is a bigger issue, and we take on the issues here. What do you think about that? You're you're from Great Britain. Are women undermined in Great Britain athletically? Uh, I think you can look at it from several angles, but from my perspective, I think those opportunities to get involved in any sport that you know a young girl wants to get involved in, there's definitely opportunities. I think in terms of some sports, the the coverage isn't as good. You you know, over here, soccer is the dominant male sport, but women's soccer really isn't even on the map in comparison to, you know, Manchester United and things like that. But even when you go down the sports, you know, it tends to be the, the men's sport that gets most of the coverage. But I could see, you know, the point of view of the media. The men's sport, they tend to have built, more characters, there's more excitement, there's more physicality, there's more competition. It tends to be a bigger draw for them in terms of making money. So at the moment, it certainly 
seems that the pendulum swung massively in favour of men's sport. And I think the numbers in the articles pretty much reflect that most women recognise that. You know, another thing is it's on TV. I mean, people see the men's games, the different sports, the soccer, the basketball, Major League Baseball, um, track and field. They show more men than they show women. Who won the 100-meter gold medal in the in women's Olympics this year? I honestly couldn't tell you. And neither could I. There you go. Now, is she any faster than Usain Bolt? Or any? did she do the same exact competition that Usain Bolt did? She's, well, in terms of, yeah, it was a full female field. It was obviously, you know, in terms of what the body can achieve between the different genders, there's obviously that difference, but that is the only difference. Because they're running the same race, but yet we don't know, do we? No, we don't, no. Yeah, maybe, it's, maybe it's just me and you, because we live in a cave, you know, maybe that's what it is. But, well, yeah, go ahead. Let's twist this to tennis, because I think tennis is one of the better examples of where there is equality. We just mentioned equal prize money. Um, I could also mention that the WTA tour over here gets, you know, almost weekly coverage. But I still believe that despite the fact that you have weekly coverage of the tour, most people would struggle to name five of the top ten women's players in the world at the minute. Yeah, that might be right. You know, Eurosport has a contract with WTA where they don't have one with the ATP. And so if you have Eurosport, you're going to see mostly women's tennis. It's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, they women's tennis is different, and I'll tell you why. It goes all the way back to the 1970s and Billie Jean King. You know, she was a pioneer in the field of women's equality and women's rights. The Title IX in America was big because it gave girls an opportunity to play sport and to use sport in order to go and achieve like a college education because back then the only real professional sports I suppose were tennis, golf, and uh, maybe track and field still is professional too in some, I guess it is, but needless to say that's tennis is the number one female spectator sport in the world. I, I think it is anyway, isn't it? I'm sure it is. I believe I've read that statistic somewhere, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know why a female tennis player would gripe about equality when the reality is, I'll bet you that more people know who Maria Sharapova was or is, or even more importantly, more people would recognize Anna Kornikova walking down the street than they would recognize Andy Murray or Novak Djokovic. And I completely agree with you, but I think that's another part of the article and I think it's briefly mentioned that, you know, the likes of Anna Kornikova's, her value, her her money, her sorry, resource was all built around her physical appearance as opposed to the sporting aspect. And, you know, in terms of other sports, and, you know, perhaps in terms of tennis for someone, some of the, the top girls, the recognition is not there just for the sporting aspect, that's not the way they're going to get the big money contracts, get the sponsors on board. It's probably going to be down to their appearance, their character. And, uh, you know, 
I, th I think today in particular, the articles are looking at ways that we can recognize the, the sporting achievements of more of these girls. Yeah, you know, they bring up Anna Kornikova a lot, but Anna Kornikova could actually play. You know, she was number one in the world in doubles. She won Grand Slam matches in doubles. She won a professional tennis tournament. Okay, it wasn't a WTA event, but she won a tournament in Midland, Michigan when she was 13. So she has won. You know, the thing is, is the, look who she had to go against. I mean, she had, that was a very tough era in women's tennis and when she came up. And, of course, her mom and Nick Bulateri and others made sure that, hey, look, this is a beautiful girl also. And they took advantage of that. And why not? I don't begrudge anyone for that. But uh, when people say that Anna Kornikova was a bust, I, I, th I would say that that is not true. I would ask them how many times they've been number one in the world in anything or even number one in their house at anything, let alone what she accomplished. So I think, you know, sometimes I think she's painted unfairly. But again, that's all about the sexism, right? It is, and I'm sure, you know, people will take what they want to from such articles and such discussions, and, you know, some people will take that down roots up. It's perhaps best not to go down. I'm sure our good friend Giles Simon, who had a little pop at the equal prize money thing um, over the sort of last year or so, I think, you know, people like him, they'll get put back in their place and, uh, you know, the world will go on. Yeah, but the equal prize money, I mean, come on. That's a different issue altogether. That has nothing to do with sex. Let me ask you this. Let's just put it right out there. Why not? We're talking about this equalities and everything else. But here's the thing. You put out Victoria Azarenka and any other female athlete on the women's tour. You put them in the same tennis match as John Isner and Mamet played or Mahut played in Wimbledon where it lasted four days and they played about 40 sets of tennis. Do you think any female could do that? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, the match would have either been called off had it been that situation or someone would have crumbled long, long, long time before uh, we got to 70 games to 68 or whatever. And that was just one set. That was the fifth set, too. They played a lot of tennis. Uh, females can't do that. You know, there was a reason and there is a reason why, and I remember when the WTA Tour Championships, when they were held at Madison Square Garden, they used to play three out of five sets. But the simple truth is it wasn't very entertaining because you could see these gals were getting tired. See, that's the thing. And, and the problem is, is that you can't really say they're doing equal work because they're not. If you put them at the same place and made them play by the same standards meaning those scoring that wouldn't be a wta tour and that's no offense to the ladies they were right to break that two out of three absolutely dead right to do that but come on what is this what is this you're not going to get these girls to uh stay out there all day and then they want equal pay for playing what 30 minutes You'll never see a guy's match. How, how, what was the last time you saw a guy's match in a Grand Slam go 30 minutes? Never. I mean, even when someone's absolutely tanking the other guy, it's, you're looking at, you know, at, at least an hour and a half's worth of play, minimum. 
How often do you see the girls out there at four in the afternoon when you, as compared to the guys? Very, very rarely. You usually, you know, you're just not going to see it. You usually tend to see, with, especially at the top end of the game, one of the top players, of who, if, if they're playing someone who's ranked, you know, 20, 30 in the world, you're looking at things like 6-1, 6-love. I mean, you look at Sharapova to Australian Open. She's been in her first, like, three, four games. She dropped three three games in four matches, you know? That, that, it's ridiculous. No, so, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, carry on. I, some would argue that it's just because she's more dominant than the others. But for me, no, it's not, the, it's not that way. Because the same can be said for the guys. It just takes a heck of a lot longer because it seems that the guys that are lower ranked are a heck of a lot more competitive than the girls at that same ranking. That's what I would think. I would quite agree with that, actually. You know, you, even when someone like Djokovic or Federer's winning matches and they've, you know, they've got a couple of breaks in the set and stuff, each point has to be constructed to win the point. You don't get any free points in the men's game. You don't get too many points where you know, the other guy's hitting out of the court time after time on his first or second shot or he can't handle the sort of power of someone else. It's always Federer or Djokovic winning the point, but they've got to step their game up. They've got to build the point before they win it. And it's quite a contrast to the female game where, you know, some of the bigger, stronger girls overpower the sort of younger girls who have just come on the tour or you get girls shanking shots left, right and center out of the court. And it's, you know, it's, it's a different level of playing. It's a different physicality and it's a different standard. Yeah, and plus they also use game and chip a lot more than the guys do, don't they? They certainly do, yes. We're, <laughs> there was a, quite quite an instant the other the other week there, I believe, but uh, we'll not go into that. But still, in all, well, we did a long time ago. We took care of that. But here's the thing: it, it, it's not to disparage the ladies, because quite frankly, they do put backsides in the seats, and they deserve to get paid for what they do. But I mean, come on, be realistic. Are you going to pay? Let's let's take it away from tennis for a second. Let's put two welders together a guy and a girl and put them in a situation where they have to work in a hundred degree heat which one of them is going to survive longer probably well i think you know i I'm, wouldn't want to sit in the fence so i would tell you that in that sort of environment if it came to an employer they would put the guy in that environment before they put the girl in that environment yeah, but even if they did, who would last longer? The thing is, is why should they get equal pay for they're doing the same thing, but only this guy's doing a lot more? Well, that's it. That's exactly what the equal pay argument comes down to, doesn't it? Exactly. If one guy's doing a lot more, you expect to get paid more. And that's just the point. And, and you know, and again, I'm all for these young people getting all they can get. You know, they've dedicated their lives to the sport. Well, most of them have anyway. But uh, let's be real here. There is no way, and I'm not, again, disparaging anyone, because quite frankly, every, you ask any tennis pro, a teaching pro, the majority of his clients are ladies. Okay, We don't hate the ladies. Believe me, we don't. But if you put Victoria Azarenka in the same situation as John Isner, force them to play three out of five, force them to uh, play that fifth, set 
where you have to win two games in a row and not a tiebreaker, and you will see very little tennis. You will not see these people, these young ladies, playing every week because, quite frankly, physically they cannot do it. You're wanting the same pay, but yet aren't willing to do the same amount of work. And that, my friends, doesn't make sense to me, does it? No, it certainly doesn't. It's uh, the, the the counter argument, obviously, is that you know people like Sharapova draw a lot more people towards tennis events than someone like uh, you know maybe Joe Wilfred Songa does. Uh, you know, they would say that her star power is greater than Joe Wilfred Songa's star power. Therefore, her entitlement should be to a bigger slice of the pie than someone like Songa. And you know, where, here's where that argument breaks down. Place them side by side in the rankings and Sanka doesn't exist compared to her. Place her against a Rafael Nadal or a Roger Federer and I guarantee you that Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal will sell more tickets than Maria Sharapova will. Uh, just last week in Madison Square Garden, Rafael Nadal played Juan Martin Del Potro. Yeah. He, Nadal got a million and a half dollars. You think they're just going to give him that money? The reason being is because he brings people into the seats. Maria Sharapova is not going to do that. Do you think she could raise enough? Do you think enough people are going to come and spend 80 bucks to watch Maria Sharapova play an exhibition against whoever? No, certainly not. And... Uh... You know, that's the exhibitions is where where you find the evidence of that. However, you know, most of these girls will maintain that they draw people to Grand Slam events. That they, you know, they therefore they are entitled to an equal slice of the pie. And you know, it's unfortunate that we don't have more exhibitions that show exactly what the point that you've just made. Yeah, it's too bad because I'm out on a limb there. I'm sure, but uh, and I'm sure I'll hear about it. But anyway. While you're thinking about it, we're going to continue this. Don't forget, if you want your copy of Rafa by Rafael Nadal and John Carlin, simply answer the question, who did Rafael Nadal defeat to win his first French Open? You can either hit me up on Twitter, follow me, and private message me, or you can hit me up at philnasons.com, either voicemail or on the contact form, private message me on Facebook or whatever, and we'll get that book out to you. Yeah, but this is an interesting argument, Craig, and I have to tell you because you know what the simple – here's the other thing too is this. How often do you see the ladies during a Grand Slam – let's look at just center court alone. The night matches, the matinee matches where for sure you're going to get the sold-out crowd. How many times do they have back-to-back women's matches every two days in a row? Never. Why is that? Because night match is an expensive ticket. It needs a big draw in there. Someone with a, a big name, either a sort of home country player that the fans are going to come and flock to see, or it needs a top four man's, uh, men's sorry, player in there in a competitive match, or... You know, just someone with the brand name of Roger Feather or Rafael Nadal. Yeah, it just you, it, it need to guarantee that all of those seats are going to sell. But if the ladies are such so popular, why wouldn't that happen? 
Do you think maybe the tour organizers know something that maybe the ladies don't? They certainly do, and it explains why in the last couple of years, events such as Indian Wells, Miami, Rome, Madrid have become joint tour events where both the men's and women's tour events take place in the same week as opposed to the men playing one week, then the women playing the second week, which used to be the case. Well, that's because the women are so popular that they can't carry their own tournaments. <laughs> it's the truth. It, it, that's just the way it is. It, the guys carry the show. That's why they do, and that's why they get paid more. You know, whatever. But uh, the point is this, is that how can Maria Sharapova say that? You know, it's easy to build that straw man and say, I'm more popular than Sangha. I mean, come on, the ball kids are more popular than Sangha. I mean, let's be honest, but she can't compare herself to Roger Federer. And if, let me tell you something, I'll tell you this. If Andre Agassi came back from retirement, and we're going to have his book open next week. If Andre Agassi came out of retirement right now and decided to play, he would sell that house out 10 times over and he could be ranked 1,010 in the world. But I'll tell you what, if Maria Sharapova left for two or three years, people would forget who she is. So you tell me who's more popular and why is she popular? She's popular because she looks good and guy and the young boys like to look at her. And she plays good, but she can't carry the WTA tour. If they could, they wouldn't need to join up with the guys. They'd do their own thing, wouldn't they? Wouldn't that make business sense? It would make perfect business sense, especially if you know you had two tours, one one week, one the next week. It would, you know, make much more business sense to work that way because you get double the money in. Especially if you're like a small tour venue like Madrid or Rome, you have two weeks of tour as opposed to one, twice as many tickets sold. It would be a gold mine. And those tour op or those uh, tournament directors don't think of that. They certainly do, but uh, you know that's, it's just not. That's why. That's what what the tournaments are speaking for themselves. Sure, the ladies want more money, and you know what? Who doesn't want more money at their job? But the simple fact remains. The girls need the guys more than the guys need the girls. And for that reason, and that reason alone, the guys should be paid more, other than if also because they also do twice the amount of work that the ladies are doing. And it's disappointing that they want to disparage God, the guys, in order to get the cash. Really is disappointing. All right, you know what we're going to do, Craig? We're going to take a break. And when we return, we're going to get into the entire do, do Lady Sports lack support. You're listening to This Week in Tennis. Stitcher Smart Radio is an award-winning, free mobile application that lets you listen to your favorite shows and discover the best of news, entertainment, and sports on demand. Now you don't even need a Wi-Fi or a cell connection. 
to listen to shows like the Phil Nason Show. Never miss another show. It's real simple. Just go to Stitcher.com and download the free app today. And never miss another Phil Nason Show. Been dreaming of that Greek vacation? Well, if you have, then you might want to check out the folks at the Oridi Grand Hotel, located in beautiful Corfu, Greece. Come experience world-class cuisine, as well as the hospitality that Greece is legendary for at the Oridi Grand Hotel. You can find them at aridihotel.com or email them at reservations at aridihotel.com. For you, the listeners of This Week in Tennis, audible.com is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I personally like to recommend Tim Galloway's book, The Inner Game of Tennis. And you can get this book or any other of over 100,000 titles, all for free, simply by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, please go to audibletrial.com slash flash tennis. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash flash tennis and get your free audiobook today. The Phil Mason Show is a daily one-hour program featuring hard-hitting commentary on a variety of topics. From the world of sports, entertainment, and pop culture, The Phil Mason Show covers it all. For music, entertainment, and more, please check us out at philmasons.com. Hi, this is Phil Masons, the host of The Phil Mason Show. You can listen to us each and every day, Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern on the Superstation Talk. That's right. We are here each and every day. I'm proud to be here at 10 p.m. Eastern on TalkSuperstation.com. And while you're over, check out the other great shows The Diamond Joe presents each and every day. That's Monday through Friday, The Phil Mason Show, 10 p.m. Eastern on TalkSuperstation.com.
And we're back on the only controversial tennis program anywhere. The only one. Well, I'm sorry. There's another one now. The Under Tens are on Max Sports Channels. Forgive me, ladies. But uh, that's actually out there doing the job each and every day or each and every week. Bringing it to you without no holds barred. And joining me on the line is Craig Doyle from CraigDoylePhotography.com. Craig, one of the gripes that the ladies had in this article was that they complained that they lack support. Now, I don't know what you're from Great Britain, so you probably understand what they mean by that better than I would say from being from America. What do you what do you, what are they trying to say exactly? I think a lot of the goes, especially in uh, some of the minor sports, um, and I'm not talking about. Well, yes, a lot of the professional athletes as well. They feel that they don't get the same sort of funding that the guys get. They don't get the same sort of coaching quality. They don't get the same resources made available to them. And in general, they just feel, you know, they're looking over at the fence at what their male colleagues are getting, and they think it's unfair. Well, I can tell you where I live, they definitely get treated like second-class citizens. The ladies do. Look at Eleni Danilivu. She's a fantastic human being and a fantastic tennis player, but she got zero help from the Greek Tennis Federation. The fathers said that thousands of times. He had to fund his daughter. He had to do it. And if you're going to raise up a tennis player in Greece, you're going to have to fund them. The association's not going to help you. The golf, I'll tell you something else, Craig. They have an outstanding women's golf program here in Greece, but the federation went bankrupt. So they have to basically do their own thing the two or three or four country clubs that are here in Greece kind of help them out a bit. But there are some amazing lady golfers from Greece. Tennis players, too. But the thing is, and this is what I've learned, is that if you have a female tennis player in Greece, if you want her to succeed, you've got to get them out of here. Um, I coached uh, Andreas Vonea's nephew. He's now working with his with his father and uncle in Romania, but he was here in Corfu because his mother lived here. And uh, they couldn't wait to get him out of here. You know, they didn't even realize that I was here at first. And then when they did, they were like, holy crap, because they were very disappointed with what they were receiving. And they go, hey, get him over to Phil now. And, and I communicate with these guys regularly with the progress. It's the same thing. The coaching isn't there. The support isn't there in a lot of countries, I think. Don't you agree? Yeah, I quite agree with that. I think, um, you know, and not, not just in tennis, in, in all sports, I think, you know, there's a, a lot of funding issues, there's a lot of resource issues, and it's a shame. It, it really is. I think, you know, us here on the show, we, we would like to see equality for everyone. Everyone who wants to take up a sport have an equal opportunity to break into that sport, to then progress that sport through coaching and you know everyone who wants to take up a sport have the opportunity to attempt to at least try and pursue it as a profession if they have such ability but you know in some cases it's just not possible for a variety of factors and you can throw as many of those factors into the ring as you want you know funding being perhaps one of the major ones, coaching resources, um, material resources, where, just, where people live in general, you know, there's so many factors to consider. 
Um, but to suggest that, you know, in the UK in particular, that gender is a huge issue in terms of, you know, the support given, I don't really see it so much. I uh, I quite believe that in, you know, majority of sports over here that gender plays no role in how much resources given sort of thing. Um, it just happens to be that uh, I think a lot of people consider the amount of resource that goes into soccer over here, into men's soccer, which is, you know, millions, billions of pounds. And then you look at women's soccer and you don't have that sort of input. You don't have that kind of money coming in. And uh, when you see the contrast there, I think people look at that and feel that, you know, that exists in all sports. And may maybe to some extent it does because a lot of the funding that goes into sports comes from uh, from the media, basically, because, you know, the media is paying to get the sponsorship rights for the sports. They then take that prize money and give it to the competitors and that prize money circulates its way back through into the development cycle of a lot of sports. And as we mentioned in the first half of the show, for tennis and for many sports, that the male equivalent tends to be the one that gets the media coverage, the, you know, the TV coverage at prime time, and uh, it tends to be the one that draws in the audience. So, yeah, the sort of bigger money does filter through the male side of the sport, but I think it would be unfair to say that a lot of money doesn't go into developing female sport as well. That's exactly correct. They do support it. I mean, the United States does. Um, like I said, here in Greece, they don't support anyone. So uh, it's not a gender issue. It's more of a money issue. But uh, and in the UK, I've coached kids from the UK girls where they've received things that they shouldn't have gotten you know, that I didn't think they even deserved. That got, they had received more than they deserved. So I don't think that they have a big gripe there. You know what? They see these NBA players and these uh, professional golfers, and they're playing. They think they're playing the same sport, but it's all generated by the media. Whoever the media is interested in is going to drive what goes on in your venue. It's just the way it is. I mean, when you open up the newspaper in New York and you see pictures of Roger Federer on the back page. And then you see pictures of Maria Sharapova on page six, which is the gossip column. You know where it stands. If Maria Sharapova's tennis spoke for itself and, and that alone, well, that'd be one thing for her to say the things that she says. But it's not. You know? And believe me, these ladies make more than the guys off the court because they're doing their modeling thing and they're doing whatever if they are attractive enough or whatever. But... They get the same chances, and I know they do in the United States. They have to. It's Title IX. They have to. Maybe in Europe they don't, but then it's a different type of culture, actually. But for anyone to say that there's complete equality, well, eh, there should be in the way they're treated. But in the way that they're paid, no, because you have to pay for the work involved. You know, I'm gonna, if I'm going to hire someone like you, for example, Craig, to make me a logo, and I ask for a 600 by 600 logo for my show, and you do a 600 by 600 logo, and 
the other one did it 600 by 500, which gave me what I asked for, which fulfilled the requirement. Exactly. I mean, you, you have hit the nail exactly on the head right there. Um, and that's, you know, it is how it is. And, you know, not everyone fulfills the requirements, unfortunately. And that's, you know, just a simple fact of life in general. And that's right. It's not about fairness because it is fair. You know, they, these ladies, they do get some opportunities that most women their age would only dream of having. Of course, they've worked for it too. But they do get paid well for what they do. Now, they don't last as long as the guys either, if you've noticed, health-wise, or they just become disinterested or they get pregnant or whatever. And maybe that has a lot to do with it too because it's just like in the workplace. Who is the, who is the boss going to hire for a secretary? Someone who's married with three little babies at home or someone who's single without those responsibilities? It's the same thing. Guys don't have the same issues that the ladies do. These tournament directors know what they're doing, believe me. They all want to make money. And like you stated before, if they could do a double dip, of course they're going to do it. Everybody wants a double scoop of vanilla or French vanilla or whatever your favorite flavor is, especially tournament directors. Do you think Ian Tyriac would, uh, he would die to have a back-to-backer? But why can't they? Because he knows that the women's game doesn't sell the tickets that the guys do. The women's game, it doesn't have the draw that the guys do for so many different reasons. Is it still a good game? Absolutely. Is it still worth talking about? You bet it is. But you know something? At the end of the day, when it count, when you count the shekels and the rubles, you're going to find out that the guys bring in a lot more dough than the girls, at least on the court, and at least where the revenue counts as far as money going back to the sport. I think that's correct anyway. Yeah, it's, you know, it's difficult to disagree, and I think we've covered a lot of points there, and I think it's great that, you know, you just said there we don't, there's no disrespect towards women here. It's uh, completely trying to construct a viewpoint uh, that, you know, both of us are putting our viewpoint out there. Neither of us have any disrespect for the women's game. We both find it entertaining. We both watch it. We both enjoy it. And, uh, you know, on this day, I th- you know, I think it's a good way to end by s- end this argument by saying that uh, it's great that there's opportunities out there for these girls. And we hope that there's going to be plenty of opp- yeah, opportunities rather out there for a long time to come. Yeah, and the message that we really want to convey is if you're a young lady, you can do anything the guys can do. Anything that you see those little boys in the playground doing, you know, maybe, well, except for a couple things. But uh, sports-wise, the sky's the limit. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something because you're a girl or because this isn't ladylike or whatever. If you can do it, young lady, you go do it. And you don't worry about the rubles and the shekels. You just pick up the game or any sport and just have a great time with it. Have fun. Don't let anybody push you into anything. And when you get a little better and you decide, hey, this is something I want, the sky's the limit. Now, you may not ever get the same amount of money as the guys do, 
But let me tell you something. You're going to get a hell of a lot more than the young lady who is going to work at the diner every day, waiting on tables to feed her two or three kids. And you know, Craig, I'll tell you something. That's going to wrap it up for today's This Week in Tennis. Um, I want to thank my friend Craig Doyle for joining me on this extremely difficult topic. And I think that we handled it well. Thanks, Craig. No problem, Phil. It's an honor to be here. It's been a couple of weeks since I have been here, so hopefully I wasn't too rusty. Nah, you were okay. And your accent is still the same. And uh, you know what? We have this contest, and if you can tell us who did Rafael Nadal defeat to win his first French Open, you're going to receive the e-book version or the electronic version or edition of Rafa by Rafael Nadal and John Carlin. All right, y'all. You know what? That's going to wrap it up. We want to thank you all for being here each and every week. Don't get us confused with anyone else. You can't because we're the most controversial tennis show anywhere, and that's why you come here to listen to us. And next week, we probably talk Craig into coming back, and maybe, just maybe, we'll actually talk about the tennis. Until then, you all take care of yourselves and be good, and most importantly, enjoy the tennis. <laughs>